there, and welcome to the Birth Story Therapist Podcast, a safe space for mamas and parents to share their birth stories, discuss common issues experienced with parenting, feel heard and validated, engage in discussion about the complexity of their motherhood journeys, and how they manage their mental health along the way. Come here every week to hear from mamas who are just like you, figuring it out one day at a time. Hear from myself, Crystal, licensed therapist, host of this podcast, and private practice owner of Southeast Perinatal Counseling. I specialize in maternal mental health, if you haven't guessed already. I'll share helpful tips and techniques to manage your mental health as you navigate motherhood, both in the perinatal and postpartum period, as well as bring on other mamas so you can gain from their history, their stories, maybe some gems that you can apply to your motherhood journey. And of course, I also have on professionals in the maternal mental health space that might be able to offer additional techniques and resources to help you along the way. So I want to welcome everyone to the Birth Story Therapist podcast. We have on a guest mama today, and I'm so thrilled to have her on because I have not heard her birth story. Before we get into her sharing who she is, what she does, and her story and motherhood experiences, I just want to welcome you to this safe space. I want to extend to you support and just encourage you to know that, you know, your story is powerful within itself, but I'm sure there are many gems throughout that I, myself, and other listeners are going to be able to pick up on. So welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. And tell us, who are you? Tell us about yourself and any other um, works that you have going on. Thank you. Well, my name is India Hill Brown. I am an author. Um, I have a middle grade book out right now called The Forgotten Girl. Um, It is a ghost story um, following two 12-year-olds, a boy named Daniel and a girl named Iris. It talks about like segregated cemeteries and ghosts. And um, the paperback is actually releasing on September 7th. And I also have another book coming out in January called The Girl in the Lake. It is also a ghost story. Um, this one is more so involving lakes and swimming pools. And it is also in middle grade um, following 12 year olds as they try to discover black history and the ghost that is haunting them. So. Yeah, you can uh, find out more about those on my Instagram at Books and Big Hair, my website, IndiaHillBrown.com, or my YouTube channel, Books and Big Hair. Yay! Such (laughs) amazing things that you have going on. And I'll be sure to get all of this information from you and put it in the show notes. That way people can just click and go subscribe. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's get into it. Talk with us a little bit about your motherhood journey. Uh, So you can start anywhere you'd like. Some people are like, yeah, me and my husband, we met in college or high school, (laughs) wherever is totally fine. But walk (laughs) us through that and then your pregnancy and delivery. Okay. Um, Well, I guess I can start there. Me and my husband did actually meet in college Um, and we got married a few years ago. Um, When I got pregnant, I 100% wanted a unmedicated an unmedicated birth. Um, I knew that just from my mom having an unmedicated birth and she had me very young. So I always had in my head, if she could have an unmedicated birth so much younger than I was when I was pregnant, then I can definitely have an unmedicated birth. And then um, I just looked at like the benefits of it. And um, 
when I found out I was pregnant, it was a couple of days literally before I went on book tour for the Forgotten Girls. So for like my first and second trimester, I was pregnant and like flying different places and driving to different cities. And in the beginning, I was very tired. Like, you know, the first trimester, you're so sleepy all the time. So I would get up and do the school visits at like six or seven and um, do like one or two schools a day. And then I would come back to the hotel room and just fall asleep for the rest of the day. Um, Of course, I was incredibly hungry and thirsty throughout the trip, but my um, book tour guides were so generous and understanding. They always had snacks for me and water and they were just so helpful. And my husband was able to come with me on a lot of the trips. So I am grateful for that. Um, And I would say, I think after the Forgotten Girl like release, I did two more trips and then after that I was like I'm not I can't do this anymore like I'm starting to get tired it's my third trimester and then I did one more school visit in my ninth month that was in the area and then after that I was like you know I'm just done my due date was March 28th 2020 but uh no my due date was actually April 13th 2020 but my um my water broke March 27th And of course, this was like in the height of the pandemic. So um, a couple of weeks before my water broke, they were saying that only one person could come to the hospital with me. And at this point, I I had a doula um, and her name was is Jiffy. She's amazing. And she was helping me throughout um, this process of winning an unmedicated birth, like helping me and my husband like practice different like positions and techniques and stuff to kind of help me through contractions. So I fully expected her to be there. And I also wanted my mom there. So with it, there only being one person that could come in the room due to um, COVID, of course, it was my husband. So we were like, well, like, what are we going to do? Of course, we were sad. My mom was sad. My doula was upset. We were like, okay, we have to kind of redo my birth plan a little bit. And um, when we... um. I actually was starting to look into having a home birth. Like literally I was like, okay, maybe I can just have a home birth. My mom was kind of against that. She was like, as much as I want to be there, like I do kind of want you in the hospital, but I was like, no, I can do it. But literally that um, March 27th was a Saturday. And I was like, oh, you know, um, on Monday, I'm going to start looking into home birth. But then I gave birth March 28th. So it just happened too fast. Like I should have started looking before. But on March 27th, um, that night, like the night leading into March 27th, I remember, I think my water broke while I was sleeping, but I don't know what I thought it was. I was like, maybe I'm just like sweating or something. Like, I don't really know what's going on. So I just went to sleep. And the next morning I woke up and realized like, okay, there's like some fluid because earlier that, I think that Monday I had my... 36th or 37th week appointment and you know how like they check your uterus and stuff right. to see. and she was like oh you're like one centimeter dilated and I was like oh it's about to be game time I didn't really think like I didn't know that once being one centimeter dilated meant that I could give birth so fast I still thought I had like so much time mm-hmm. and then my mucus plug broke that day as well and so we called my doula over and she was like yes any day now but in my head I just still thought I had so much time like I thought it was going to be in April. So 
Um, fast forward to March 27th, that morning I went to the bathroom and I noticed that I was like having some fluid coming out. So I was like, okay, let me just go tell my husband. And I woke him up and I was like, I think, you know, like there's some fluid leaking. And literally when I'm talking to him, a gush of like water fluid just like runs down my leg. And then we see it and we're like, okay, it's time or whatever. So we're like getting stuff together. I called my mom. She comes over. We're trying to pack because this was actually the day that I was scheduled for my hospital tour. So we were not um, ready to like give birth that day. It was the day that I was supposed to give, I mean, go to my hospital tour. And so like, I'm just, I'm just like still very calm. Like it's not really setting in. I have, I'm having very, very, very light pressure, but it doesn't feel like anything is like hurting or whatever. So I'm like trying to eat my, I text my doula. She said, try to eat while you still can and stuff. So I just ate very light things like dates, bananas. Um, I think I had like a granola bar and I'm drinking like lots of water. I just feel so unprepared because like I said, I think I have all this time and I had set that weekend to the side to like wash all the baby's clothes and, um, like just do different things to prepare. And it's like, he's coming at that point in time. So my mom was like, okay, I'll wash the clothes. Like you do this. Like we're trying to like divide the different things that we have to do. And I'm just still, I don't know. I still feel very calm. And over time, I would say this happened maybe around 10, 11, 12, like noon. And then maybe around three or four, I can feel the contractions starting to kick up. So I called my midwife and I actually did have a midwife at the hospital. Um, I switched like OBGYNs five times, like literally, literally five times. And until I decided, you know what, I just want to go with the midwife team at um, the hospital because the different, like the things that the OBGYNs were telling me and like, I don't know, I guess I can get into that at the end, but I just, I just did not like the way that those particular OBGYNs were like, I didn't like their bedside manner. So I was like, I just want to do midwife and doula. So I called my midwife and she was like, well, your water broke. So you do need to come in today, but you can't take your time if you're not like feeling like you're about to give birth right now. And so then we, um, I actually took a nap. Like I was eating, I was just so calm. And then finally we all drive to the hospital Um, My mom and my grandma and my brother rode with us since they couldn't actually come inside because it was to the point where um, we had to take our temperatures before we even went into the hospital. The same person that comes in with you has to be the only person to stay with you the whole time. So it's not like they could have switched out, Um, but they did want to kind of have that experience of coming to the hospital with me. So we all went, and at this point, when we're driving to the hospital, my cramps are, or my contractions are revving up. They still feel um, to me like period cramps at this time because I've always had like very terrible period cramps. So they still kind of feel in that realm. So it, I can still deal with them because it just feels like the same thing I do with every month. Um, but I was, everything was starting to annoy me a little bit. Like people were just talking and I'm just like, y'all just let me like get through these contractions (laughs) Um, in silence. And so I remember one time um, in the car, my mom was like, are you going to tell everybody that you're in labor? And I was like, that is the last thing I feel like doing right now. Like I'm done. I feel like pulling out my phone and texting everybody that I'm in labor. Like, so we were just going back and forth about that. I was just kind of irritable at this point. 
And so we get to the hospital, we all hug and stuff. And I'm like, you know, the next time I see my mom and my grandma and my brother, like I'm going to have a baby, which is, it was just so surreal to think about. So we get to the, um, like we get to the hospital, they put me in a wheelchair and take me to the room. And I think at this point I'm like three or four centimeters dilated. So they put me into a, um, like labor and delivery room. And immediately I noticed that this room doesn't have any windows. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I cannot give birth in a room that doesn't have any natural light because I feel like I'm going to be laboring through the night. I want to be able to see the sun. I'm really big on sunlight. And they were like, "Um, if we put you in a room with sunlight, then you won't have the option to have the wireless monitor on your belly. And my doula stressed that um, I should try to get the wireless monitor so I could walk around through my contractions. Right. And so I was like, I do not, I don't want to make the choice between walking around in sunlight. So they were like, well, if you wait like an hour or two, I think we'll have another room. So I chose to do that. Um, And then once they moved to the next room, I started, um, they put the wireless monitor on me. It did have a big window and I walked around. Um, And that's when my contractions really started. Like, that's when they really kicked up to the next level. Um, It was to the point where I kind of even, I didn't even want to walk around because it hurt more, even though I know that's good. Because it was like, it was making him like come faster. But it was like, I almost was trying to step back from the pain, like kind of avoid the pain. And so we walked around a little bit and I was like, okay, I'm done with this. (laughs) And at one point in time, um, when they... Uh, like hooked me up, like they gave me, I or they got me IV ready. And I was thinking to myself, I don't need like IV because I'm not gonna, I don't want any medication. But they were like, you know, just in case you need some, if there's an emergency, we don't want to have to try to hook you or get you IV ready um, in that moment. Like you need to already be IV ready. So I was like, okay, cool. So they tried to um, give me like um, like a needle in my arm or whatever. And I didn't look because I don't like to look at my subject needles and I heard my husband say uh something to the nurse like just just stop like just stop and so I looked like what's going on and what happened was she kept trying to like I guess get my vein in my arm so much to the point where it just bruised so bad it just bruised so bad and I guess he saw it I didn't see it because I wasn't looking and she was like I'm sorry I'm sorry um let's try your hand And so she ended up having to hook it up in my hand, which was so uncomfortable. But I was very thankful for my husband in that moment because I didn't even see what was going on. Like, I guess she just kept trying, kept trying. I didn't see it. But um, afterwards, I had this huge, like, purple and orange bruise on my arm for, like, days. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I was very thankful for him in that moment. And then it was like, of course, it was like the height of the pandemic. So when we got into the room, he was like, there wiping down everything with like Lysol wipes and but he was also like on the phone with my doula like uh keeping her updated helping me with my contractions and updating both our moms so he was doing like a lot of different things while I was um in labor so through the night everything is going fine um I'm having I have an exercise ball I have um I'm walking around every now and again and I would say Maybe about three o'clock, the contractions rev up and I'm starting to get tired. Um, and so the nurse asked me, "Does I do I want a popsicle? And I'm like, yes, like give me a cherry popsicle. Like everything is going to be great. I have a popsicle. I'm so thirsty. I eat the popsicle 
And you know, like in the hospital where you have the machine where it tells you when you're about to have a contraction or right. like you can kind of see. Yeah. So I, um, I saw it and I was like, oh, I'm about to have a contraction or whatever. And this was when like the lights, like the switch flipped from bad to worse. That was like the worst contraction. And literally right after it went away, I threw up. And I'm not somebody that throws up. Like, I don't really have a weak stomach. It has to be like, I have to be like sick or something. And so for me to throw up from pain is something that has never happened to me before. So I just looked at my husband like, it's about to get real because um, I just never had that experience. Like my, you know how contractions feel. Like my uterus just felt like it was just in such a tight, like ball and then it let loose and I also had back labor for the majority of my labor so it just felt like a like a grinding I don't even know how to how to describe it and so at this point I'm starting the contractions are revving up I'm starting to get sleepy and I'm like I just want to lay down and once I lay down my contractions actually got farther apart mm-hmm. and so my doula was like it's your body like noticing that you're getting sleepy you're trying to rest but it's like at the same time I don't want that I kind of just want to get through it but at the same time I'm kind of shying away from the pain so my husband was um like taking the advice from my doula and saying like you know she's telling me to tell you to walk like let's walk around but at this point I don't want to say I got lazy I just got tired like I didn't feel like walking anymore I wanted to sleep And I did get a few minutes of sleep here and there, but as I was sleeping, my contractions were slowing back down. And so I was like, okay, let me just walk a little bit. But it was the pain of me walking was just like, I don't know. Looking back, I just feel like I was trying to avoid the pain. Like every time I walked and there was pain, I was like, never mind. I'm just going to lay in the bed. And so um, everyone, like my whole midwife team was like, this baby is coming tonight. Like, let's get ready to welcome the baby. And this, I think it's, Um, at this point it's March 28th, but it's like three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Okay. And so the midwife comes in and she's like, I know that you want to do an unmedicated birth. I totally understand. And I'm with you, but I wanted to suggest a little Pitocin just to kind of, um, move it along. Um, I know that you're getting very tired and your contractions are actually slowing down. Like, do you want to think about that? And I was like, no, I don't want anything. Like, I just want to do unmedicated. And she was like, okay, you know, no pressure. But I stayed long enough to the point where the midwife team switched. And this was actually a very interesting thing because um, with this hospital, I think there were like five midwives that rotate. So you you can choose. Um, You can have your preference of which midwife you want. But... Um, it kind of just falls on like who's there or whatever. So we switched to another midwife and I've had her a couple of times. She wasn't like my favorite in the, in like the practice, but she was, you know, she was cool. My favorite one was actually the lady I had first. So I was kind of, at first I was upset that she wasn't the one that was going to like deliver my baby, but I was like, you know, it's cool. Like I still like her. So she's there. The contractions are getting so bad. Um, and so at this point, I'm nine and a half centimeters dilated. So we're like, okay, it's almost time. Um, it's like eight or nine o'clock. The sun is up. I'm exhausted. I've been mm. in labor. Um, my water broke at like around noon the day before. And it's like eight or nine o'clock the next day. I've been laboring all night. And 
um, I'm just, I'm exhausted. And so um, this midwife comes in and she asks me the same thing. Do I want Pitocin? And I'm like, I don't want anything. And so they're like, okay, well, if you don't want anything, let's try to move the labor along because we don't want you to be in labor for too long since your water broke almost 24 hours ago. And I, I get that. But at the same time, I was like, I've heard of people who've given birth at home and they labor for like 36 hours. So, but I don't know. So I was like, I, I kind of get it. But then I'm like, I could labor longer. But I was like, okay, cool. So they gave me like the peanut ball, like that ball that's like creased in the middle. That was so intensely painful to me. Like it was not comfortable. It They said it was like opening up my hips, opening up my pelvis. It was so painful. I hated it. I tried it for a little while because I was like, I'll do anything not to have um, medication. And it's, I don't know. It was just, it was just very, I hated it. I hated it. I was like, we have to do something else. So then I started walking and every so often the midwife would come in and I would still be at nine and a half centimeters. And so then I was starting to get frustrated. Like, does the half of centimeter really mean that much? Like, can we just, can I just start pushing? And they were like, no, like, you'll know when it's time to push. And I was, Throughout my labor, I wasn't really yelling. I was more so like grunting, like groaning. And I remember at one point, um, I asked one of the nurses, like, you know, is it time for me to push? And I know that she meant, um, no, you'll be able to tell because when it's time for you to start pushing, you'll be like louder, more vocal. So she said, you'll, you can start pushing when you change your tone. And I knew that's what she meant. But my husband was like, I think he thought that she meant something like, like in an attitude way, like, oh, you'll, when you change your tone, that's when you'll try to, put. yeah. So I, I knew what she meant, but I guess he wasn't like really, I don't know. We were, just, we just heard it in two different ways, and so he was kind of like on guard, like, is she trying to get smart? And I was like, I don't think she's trying to get smart. Oh, and I totally forgot about this part. So, um, since my doula couldn't come, a doula. Um, the hospital provided a doula and it sounded good at the time, but I don't know if it, I don't know what it was, but me and this doula, we were just not meshing well together. We were not meshing well. And I think it was because um, by the time she came, she came at like four or five o'clock. And by the time she came a.m., me and my husband, we had already had like a groove going. Like I, when I was having a contraction, if I needed him to massage me, he would massage me. If I wanted to not be touched, he wouldn't touch me. We would walk around together. You know, he would help me like if I was nauseous or needed to help to get on the exercise ball or whatever. So I feel like we had a system going. So by the time she came, I was like really in the thick of my contractions. I feel like she came late. She was loud. We just weren't on the same It wasn't a good fit. Yeah, it wasn't a good fit. And I was not trying to be like rude. And so I just, we didn't, I didn't say much to her because I felt like if I said something, it was going to be like just rude for no reason. And I just feel like she didn't really, she wasn't very helpful. Like she didn't do anything that my husband didn't do for me. And I had my doula like on the hotline. Like I'm, I'm glad that she, I'm grateful that she was there and stuff. Like I'm not saying that she's like a bad doula, but 
we just weren't a good fit. Like I had interviewed doulas and my doula was like a good fit for me. We, we known each other um, prior to this and we had like appointments together. So this new doula, her vibe is just totally different than what I wanted for my birth. And so I was just almost to the point where I wanted to ask her to leave. I was like, okay, she's not, she can just stay. Like, I, I guess all hands on deck, she can just stay. But it was just so annoying. <laughs> it was just annoying to me. But I for, I totally forgot she was there until I started telling the story. But um, fast forward, um, I had been nine and a half centimeters for almost four hours at this point. And so then the midwife came and told me, she was like, okay, let's talk. Let's have like a heart to heart. She was like, I can see in your face that you're tired. Um, you've been at nine and a half centimeters for four hours. And she was like, the OBGYN that's on call was like, you know, she's been in there for a long time. And they asked, did I need to have a C-section? And so I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, you know, they're, they're like asking, like kind of sniffing around, like, does she need a C-section? Like she's been in labor forever. Um, her water broke um a while ago and so the midwife said like I don't want to get her in trouble but she said that she kind of I guess bit the truth a little bit and told the OBGYN that I wasn't in labor as long as they thought I was in labor so they could kind of back off a little bit um but she was like I do want to let you know that they are kind of wondering if you're going to need a c-section and she was like I know that's not what you want so let me just suggest a little bit of pitocin to kind of move your labor along because you've been at nine and a half centimeters for four hours. Um, and it doesn't seem like, it just seems like your labor has stalled pretty much. And so at this point I am very tired and I don't want to have a C-section. Like, of course, if it got to the point where it's like an emergency, like, okay, you know, do what you have to do. But since it was still kind of in my hands, I guess I was like, okay, Maybe I can try a little bit of the Pitocin. Like I looked at my husband, he was like, you know, whatever you feel like doing. I was like, okay, let's do a little bit of it. And so I had Pitocin, but I didn't have like an epidural or anything. And my, the Pitocin, the contractions of the Pitocins were like 10 times worse than my natural contractions. Because I feel like with, my natural contractions, most of it was back labor, which was still really hard. But the Pitocin was like, it was almost like it felt like it was giving me involuntary contractions in my uterus. Like it was literally forces your body. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It, It was like, it was making my body do like this jerking. And I don't know if it was the Pitocin or if it was because my baby was coming, but that's when I started yelling. Like, that's when I started yelling. I don't know if it was just because it was that time, like it was almost time to push or the Pitocin. So that's when I started yelling and I'm just, I'm ready to push. I don't know if it's because it's like the Pitocin is literally pushing or whatever, but I'm ready to push. Every time she comes and check my uterus and she says, you're still not there. I literally want to cry. Like I haven't, I didn't cry tears yet, but I'm literally just laying there in a daze. Like I'm hungry. I'm tired. Um, I was still drinking water. So I wasn't so much thirsty, but I'm, I'm just exhausted. I'm in so much pain. So I was just laying there like with my eyes 
open, literally just like praying. And then my husband was trying to do different things like heating pad and stuff. None of it worked. Nothing was working anymore. Like everything was out the window. I was like, I just have to close my eyes and just kind of feel this pain until it's time to push. And so then finally she comes in and she says, your 10 centimeters dilated. And I was like, thank God. And they were like, let's get ready. Um, so they're getting everything ready. I'm sitting up and she was like, only push on a contraction. Um, th- let this next push be a practice push. So I'm like, I'm thinking practice push. Like I'm going to push with everything I got. Like I'm ready for this to be over. So I sit up, um, like they kind of let my hospital bed up a little bit and I don't know, they do all kind of different stuff with it, but they sit me up. Um, my husband has one of my legs. I think the doula, that doula that was there, she had another one of my legs and then the midwife is in the front and then there are like different nurses in there. And um, she was like, on your next contraction, uh, let's give it a practice push. Like, you know, push like you have to use the bathroom. And I was like, okay. So the next contraction comes and I push so hard. And at this point, they're like, oh, she can see, she was like, she can see um, his hair. And so, and they had a mirror set up for me. So I looked and I could see like his hair. So it was like motivation, but I didn't want to see me push him out. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I just didn't want to see it. So I turned to the other side and closed my eyes. And so the second push, I pushed his head out. Oh my gosh, girl, that pain, I guess that's like the ring of fire. I screamed so loud. I don't even think my voice ever recovered from that. Like, I feel like ever since then, my voice has been a little bit hoarse. I feel like I damaged my vocal cord when I screamed. It was so, that thing hurt so bad. That was the worst part of like the whole labor, like that second push when I pushed his head out. That was the worst part. But I was so ready to get him out. And I and I felt like my whole body was splitting in two. But, I, but in my head, I was like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, he's almost out. Like, it was like I had like, adrenaline and I just felt like I had this power like I don't care if my whole body just rips from head to toe like I'm about to push him out he's coming and I pushed him again and then I I remember I was like squeezing my husband like he had my leg and I was like turned to the side squeezing him and then he said he's out he's out he's already out so it was three pushes and then I looked up and he was out and that's when I cried because I was like, yes, I did it. It's over. And I just instantly felt like th- I was like overcome with joy. Like it was like the pain didn't matter. Nothing mattered after that. He was already crying when I opened my eyes. Um, he was like, you know, he was so pale. And like, of course, his head was a little cone in the beginning. And then the umbilical cord was still on him and stuff. And so they laid him on my chest. He cried. My husband was crying. And then um, they let the umbilical cord like sit for a little bit. And then my husband was able to cut it. And then um, I wanted to keep my placenta, but there was a miscommunication. So when I was in um, my one of my appointments, they said that you can keep your placenta. Um, just let us know. We'll get a cooler for you. But then when I was there, they said, you have to bring your own cooler. 
And I was like, that is not what y'all told me. Because y'all said I couldn't bring a cooler in because of COVID and stuff like that. So COVID. now y'all mm-hmm. saying I have to bring a I was like, whatever, whatever. Whatever, that's fine. So anyway, um, I was crying. Everybody was crying. Uh, well, me and my husband and my baby were crying. And then he cut the cord. Um, and then I delivered my placenta. And literally, like... 30 seconds after that, he like found his way to my breast and started nursing. And I just thought that was like such an amazing thing that babies just have like that instinct to to do that. It was just, it was cool because I was like, you probably really can't see anything um, or, or really know what you're looking at. So it was just like, I don't know. It was just cool that that happened. And then um, we called like our moms, FaceTime our moms and kind of talked and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they weighed him and stuff. And that was, that was my birth. Oh yeah. That was my birth. They, I had to use the bathroom, which was painful, but surprisingly I didn't tear it all. Okay. So shout out to the moms that tore because for that pain, for me to feel that much pain, I didn't tear. I can only imagine how, how bad it would feel to tear. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. So yeah. Oh my gosh. That was it. They, they willed me to the postpartum room. Um, like I called my mom again and I got some hospital food and I took a nap and that was like, that was pretty much my birth. Yeah. This, this was such a detailed and beautiful (laughs) birth story. So I have questions. Okay. Okay. So I stick with me. Okay. Um, First question, because this was amazing. I appreciate your details so much. Um, Thank you. What do you think helped you emotionally, mentally, Mm -hmm. and physically navigate that balancing act that you talked about in the very beginning during your pregnancy and your career taking off with your book Mm. tour? Okay. So emotionally, I... I will say like the people around me helped me a lot. Um, Me being able to um, have my husband there for it. And I was so thankful to have like um, school, like the guys for the school visit and the people that kind of helped me navigate from school to school. They were so helpful and they had so much wisdom for me because a lot of them were moms or parents. And then of course my own mom, my grandmother, the women in my family who've given birth, Uh, my doula, I feel like that a lot of that helps emotionally. And I also feel like once I found out I was pregnant because we were not trying. Um, And so once I, once I found out that I was pregnant, it was like an instant mental switch. Like, okay, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything for my baby. Like I need to take prenatal vitamins. I need to eat more fruit. I need to do this. I need to do that. So it was like a mental switch. Um, and the people around me definitely helped. I also um, am very big on prayer and stuff. So I definitely was praying all the time to, um, for God to cover me and my baby and keep us healthy. Um, physically, I had to just listen to my body. Like when I was out um, with the school visits and stuff, like when I tell you I would come back to the room and sleep all day, I definitely did that. And at one point in my pregnancy, I did get a very bad cold. It was it was very bad. And I had a book visit or like a book tour stop set for Chicago. 
and it was snowing there. And I was like, I'm not trying to be pregnant in Chicago and it's cold already. And I have a cold and I ended up canceling that one. And it was a tough decision. Um, but I just felt like I had to do what was right for me and my baby at the time. I didn't want to be flying um, with a congested nose. I didn't want to expose myself to different things. It was snowing up there, so it was going to be freezing. I canceled that one. So I just had to listen to my body. And what was the other one you said? Mentally, physically? And emotionally. I think you hit all of them. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you hit all. And I think I, I can appreciate the fact that you, you know, you talked about rest. You talked about your support. You talked about listening to your body. And sometimes, you know, we know the things that we can do to like pour into ourselves. Like you said, Mm -hmm. eating and sleeping and exercise and stuff. But how often we tune in to like what our body is telling us when we're overdoing it or having the forethought to say, okay, maybe this is going to exacerbate what I'm already feeling. So I appreciate that reminder because, I mean, we can use that in postpartum as well, right? Yes, (laughs) yes. So uh, while along those same lines with self-care and coping and making sure that you're, you know, listening to your body, talk with me a little bit about how you cope with the fear of your doula not being present and all the other changes that came about because of COVID and how Mm -hmm. it affected your birth plan. Ooh, Um, it definitely had me worried at first because I've always pictured my first birth to have like my mom and grandmother, my husband, um, my doula. And when that happened, we were all very upset. We were all very upset. But I I felt also a sense of calmness. Like maybe this could be almost better in a way. And I actually feel like it worked out for the best because with it just being me and my husband, I felt like we were so in tune with each other and it enabled me even more to listen to my body versus if I had like my mom and grandma there, like they might have suggested like, oh, you know, I've been through birth before, so you need to do this or you need to, you know how like your mom is going to mom. So I feel like if they were there, um, there might've been like conflicting opinions or I might've like um, just took her judgment over mine. Like, okay, she knows what she's doing. This is my mom. So let me do this. And it might not have worked out as well for me. Um, And maybe it just would have been too many voices in the room. Maybe I would have been upset or irritated with everyone talking. So I do feel like it worked out for the best in the end that it was just me and my husband. Although I do, wish they were there and could have at least visited at the hospital. Yeah. Um I do feel like it it worked out. I just I just had to have faith that it was going to work out the way that it was supposed to and I feel like it really did. Yeah, it sounds like it did. Yeah. It sounds like it did. Still talking about your husband. So, okay, <laughs> so you mentioned a part in your birth story where you were not looking cuz you mm-hmm. don't like needles and yes. your husband was and he was like, "Okay, let's just stop. Like, stop, stop trying yeah. to poke, stop trying to pry." It sounds like, you know, one, you were being an advocate for yourself throughout your entire labor and delivery experience, Mm -hmm. but it also sounds like your husband was as well. So share with us what it means to you to reflect back on how your husband showed up for you Mm -hmm. and how that within itself may even change the way that you look at him as like (laughs) a person or a partner or dad. Talk with us about that. Yes. So if I 100% think that it made us closer um, before 
we went to the hospital and stuff, all the women around us were nervous that he wasn't going to be intuitive to what I was going through because he has never gone through that before. Like he's not going to be pregnant. So like his mom, my mom, my grandma were all like, well, um, if Rob's going to be the only one in there, like, is he going to know what to do when this is happening or this is happening? And I, I have faith in Rob. I was like, you know, we know each other very well. I feel like he's going to be able to advocate for me, advocate for me. Like he is kind, but also very matter of fact, he's not afraid to say what he feels. I feel like he's going to, and he knows what I want as, as far as like for my birth. Um, and I, I, have full confidence that he was going to advocate for me. And he definitely did. Um, you know, he did the walks with me when I was throwing up, he went and got the barf bag when it came time for like the thing with the needles. Um, I was just so thankful that he was there and actually said something and, you know, asserted himself as yes, I'm like her advocate. I think that all women need at least one person that's really going to advocate for them in the delivery room. And he was that person. Um, and then like in the late nights where it was just us two in the room, like three and four o'clock in the morning when I was having my contractions, like he was, you know, one, con one contraction, I would be like, I need you to massage my back. The next contraction, I'd be like, don't, don't touch me right now. Like, mm -hmm. I just need to get through this one. And it was just a balancing act. And we just, we were just a team. We were just a team. And it was just, it was really good. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it for sure. Do you ever hear him or have y'all ever had a discussion after birth about how his experience from his lens looked mm -hmm. to him? Yeah, we definitely, we definitely have. Um, I did ask him, like, you know, how did you feel when this happened? How did you feel when this happened? And at some points he did say he kind of felt like when I was going through the heavier contractions, he felt kind of helpless um, because he, it's not like, for some of the contractions, there's only so much you can do for that person. Like, they just have to go through that contraction on their own. Yeah. Um, he did feel helpless sometimes, he said, but... um. All in all, he said he felt like I was very, like, strong, I guess, for because he definitely said that if he was, like, if the situation was flipped, he definitely feels like he would have, like, gotten epidural and stuff like that. So he was, like, um, he felt like I was very strong. And, yeah. you know, he did feel helpless during some of the time, but he, you know, wanted to do whatever he could do in that moment. Yeah. No, I, I love the fact that you were able to share that with us because we know that when we are pregnant, you know, people dote on us and they're like, you know, how's your pregnancy going? Oh, yes. we can't wait to make, wait to meet baby. And then when you deliver, they're like, how's baby doing? Yes. How are you doing, mom? <laughs> but rarely is your partner ever yes. asked, you know, like, how did you do? You know, how yes. is everything going on with you? So I appreciate you sharing um, some of the discussions that you all have had, because that's also a reminder for us to like check in with partners and dads yeah. to make sure that they're also okay. And how are they processing everything? Because I'm sure, you know, if they witness you being in pain, I know when I see my partner in pain or if I see yeah. my child in pain, like I can physically sometimes feel that. Yes. And so, yeah, just imagine how he um, or another partner may have felt. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, so this is this is really good right here. So you mentioned having a care <laughs> team of a doula and midwife. You said that you had had concerns about the OB, mm -hmm. specifically the bedside manner. Share with us um, 
what it was like for you curating your team of providers, how you even got the idea that, okay, this is what I want to do um, mm-hmm. in terms of having a doula, what that means for you, whether it's because of, you know, what we know about black and brown people, yes, right? Yes. <laughs> Maternal mortality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we obviously know that providers can, you know, come in and do their job, but we want that level of being heard, being validated, having compassion and empathy mm-hmm. with us as well. So talk with us a little bit about what it meant for you to curate that team. Yes. So I kind of always known what I wanted my birth to look and feel like for the most part. Um, I wanted as, I guess, natural of a birth as possible, but I still, I think wanted it to be in like a hospital setting just in case, like, you know, just for that peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, my doula, she's very much like, do it at home. You can do it. You can give birth yourself at home. Like I gave, like she gave birth as herself at home. Like it was just her and her husband. And I didn't want like it to be that natural. Like I respect her. I think she is great. But I was like, I need something that's somewhere in the middle of like going to the hospital and just letting them tell me what to do. And um, like giving birth myself at home. Like I needed something in the middle. And so when I went to, um, my OBGYNs, everything was just very by the book medical when they were talking to me. And I'm very like kind of emotional, intuitive, and I needed some of that um, with my birth plan. And like, for example, I went to um, like one OB and it was like the same type of rotating team. So at one point I had seen everyone in the practice and this time it was a man an older white man and you know nothing against him nothing against um white male OBGYNs mm-hmm. but I just didn't feel like me and this particular man like if it came to it and he was the one that was going to deliver I just didn't feel like we were going to be a match um I remember we um were saying something about like a test I I missed for some reason like a genetic test that I was supposed to take to see um I guess if my baby was going to have any like genetic defects or whatever. And I was like, you know, do I still need to take this even though I'm kind of far along in my pregnancy? And he just said, you don't need to take it. Um, They were like, this test really is just for um, you to know whether or not your baby has Down syndrome or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, do I need to like take it? And he was like, you don't need to take it unless you plan on terminating the pregnancy. Like, do you think you'll terminate the pregnancy if he has Down syndrome? And I was like, Mm -hmm. excuse me? I'm like so pregnant at this point. Like, I was like, just never mind. I was like, I would never go to him again. Because I just didn't even like the way that he presented it. Yeah. It was just like, so by the book. And I remember um, I was having like a pain. I think it was like round ligament pains. And I just asked him like what it was, um, if he could check just to make sure it wasn't anything else. And he just immediately, immediately was like, oh, that's round ligament pains. Like, you didn't even really... You didn't really check. You just kind of going off of the definition that you mm-hmm. probably had in your textbook. And then I went to another OBGYN and um, she was like, I was like, you know, what kind of prenatal vitamins do you think I should take? And she said, you know, you can just take any, like you can get Flintstone vitamins. Oh no, and, wait, what? Oh my gosh. The way that Cause my mom went with us to this appointment too. So it was me, my mom and my husband and my husband doesn't have a good poker face. My mom doesn't have a good po- poker face. So when she said that their faces are like, 
girl, what? And I'm like kind of trying to keep it cute. Like, oh, okay. In my head, I'm thinking I'm never coming back here right. again. <laughs> and so like, oh my gosh, I just had the the wildest. And then my previous OBGYN that I had before I got pregnant, I mean, she was great and everything, but she was always like literally 45 minutes late to the appointment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just got to scrap this. Like, where can I find a midwife? And I found like a hospital that has midwives. So once I met with them, it was on the opposite side of the hospital. And they told me like their philosophy is like nature first um, with medical intervention if needed. Mm-hmm. You know, li- we we listen to your body and it was just calm. And I was like, okay, this is perfect. This is what I wanted to feel like. I have my doula. I have my midwife. And my midwife actually, um, my doula is black. My midwives, I think the whole team um, was a team of um, white women. But they, I just felt comfortable with them. Like, right. I, I felt comfortable. I didn't feel like with the OBGYNs, I kind of felt like there was a barrier in between us for some reason. Like, I feel like we couldn't connect. But these women, I do feel like they have my best interest at heart. Yeah. When she told me that, when she gave me the heads up, like, he was looking to have a C-section. Like, I feel like she really respected my birth plan. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that's um, something that we're seeing more and more. I'm a part of a lot of different groups, you know, apart from doing therapy and having clients and hearing their Mm -hmm. feedback, but a part of a lot of mom groups on social media. And it is. thing that I keep hearing over and over and over Mm -hmm. again that like the model of care that they're wanting is it is not often found in OBs for some reason and I know that that isn't for everybody I know I had an OB my OB Mm -hmm. that I absolutely love was not Mm -hmm. present she wasn't on call for my birth so that sucked but she she was great um, mm-hmm. I just wish you had been at my birth. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it, and it's not everyone's experience and everyone isn't going to be a good fit. One thing that I can appreciate about what you shared is you were like persistent in trying to figure mm-hmm. out what makes sense for you, even understanding that obviously your birth plan can change, but you knew that you needed a certain person around you who can help create the space in order for you to bring yes. your son earthside. And I think that that's, that's a reminder that like you, yes, you may be limited by your insurance. You may be mm-hmm. limited by your, you know, geographical area and like mm-hmm. who's around you. But if somebody ain't a good fit, go to They're someone not. else. Go yes. to somebody else. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I had to, um, the hospital I chose, is a, I think it's a little bit farther than the others, but it was just, it was just worth it to me. Like, this is a serious thing that I'm about to do. Like, I, and I'm not like against OBGYNs. Like I love them and they obviously have like a strong purpose in giving birth, of course. But I just, I just really needed something that was just more intuitive to my body um, first, but able to give me like the medical attention if I needed it. Because yeah. um, I, cause after I gave birth, um, and I kind of thought about it. I did feel a little bit of disappointment that I had to use Pitocin. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was like, I've, I've, I was thinking maybe if I would have walked more instead of like trying to shy away from the pain. 
um, or whatever. Like, I feel like I could have, like afterwards I kept feeling like I could have did it. Like I was so close. I was so close. But then I just started thinking like, one, it shouldn't matter that much. And two, um, you know, I'm just happy that I was there in a space where, um, I, if I needed the Pitocin, I could get it versus maybe if I was at home and I was just stalled for hours and hours and hours and I wasn't able to get the Pitocin. So I just had to let go of like that guilt mm-hmm. of not having the fully unmedicated birth that I wanted. And so that's my next question. So I'm so glad that you're already there. <laughs> my next question was about expectations. So, mm-hmm. you know, we all come into our idea of motherhood, parenthood with internal and external expectations. Where do you think your expectations came from is it relate I know you said that your mom had an unmedicated birth mm-hmm. and that helped you to you know come to the decision that this is something that you also wanted to navigate um but where do you think those expectations of I can't do Pitocin even if you know you know I really really need it or I'm exhausted <laughs> like where, how did you figure out where you were going to put that line and mm-hmm. then what helped you to maybe move it over a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. To get your body what your body needed in that moment. And then let's talk about judgment and like how you, you know, were able to cope and reject judgment. Oh, yes. So I knew going into it that no matter how much the pain, like how bad the pain was going to be, I just did not want an epidural. And that's nothing against like epidurals, of course. I just... I don't like needles. Like I said that already. So the idea to of getting a needle to me was actually scarier than giving birth. It was scarier to me. So that was one reason. And I just always have looked have looked at birth as like this natural thing where you know your body's gonna eventually push the baby out. And something my mom used to always say to me about giving birth was like it. And I know like people will definitely disagree with me on this, but like she feels like it's a journey is kind of dramatic. And then like the end result is so much sweeter. If it's like you go through this, this pain, this, like you're so into with your body, like that's always been her motto. I don't know if that's necessarily true for everyone, but I just kind of wanted to see if that would be true for me. And it kind of was because since I did have like that paint and just all this drama of like, I don't know, just all the drama of it just made it so much, made giving birth to him so like, it just made the journey so much more sweeter to me, I think. But even aside from that, um, I looked at the um, benefits of not having epidural. You know, I've, I've seen some people, I've talked to some people in my family who have had it and they, some, sometimes it didn't take, or sometimes they're still having like back problems or hip problems because of the epidural. And that's something that I didn't necessarily want. Yeah. Um, so I was just really, I just had it in my head already. Like nobody could talk me out of it. Even though people were trying, like if I said, Oh, I want an unmedicated birth. A lot of the times people would say, oh yeah, we'll see once you start having those contractions or yeah, I thought the same thing too, but I had to do this. I had to do this. Unsolicited comment. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't need to hear that. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that it's going to be painful. And so I kind of went into it bullheaded a little bit. Like the first two or three times they asked me if I wanted Pitocin, I was like, absolutely not. Like I came here. Y'all don't even need to hook me up um, and get me IV ready. Like, 
this, 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 like I'm going to do it. And then I did have to kind of be vulnerable in that moment when she really asked me and I had to weigh my options because, um, I'm of course, like if you need to have a C-section, if you want to have a C-section, you need to have epidural, want to have epidural, that is totally fine. But I just did not want to have a C-section unless it was absolutely necessary. And so I was like, I have to weigh my options here. Like if I say no to the Pitocin and something happens and I have to have an emergency C-section, like if my baby becomes in distress or something, it will just be at that point, it's like a matter of pride. Like it's like I'm just choosing to have an unmedicated birth just to say that I can. Mm -hmm. And then now all of a sudden I'm in full blown surgery. So it was like a matter of. I have to let go of wanting to say, oh, I did it unmedicated and really just focus on the health of me and my baby. Because if that if that's the reason that I wanted to do it unmedicated in the first place is our health, then I can't put our health in jeopardy, in jeopardy just because I need some like a little bit of medication to get us out. Because I didn't want like amniotic fluid to start getting low or whatever, me getting an infection or whatever like that. So I just had to weigh out my options and I didn't have any judgment from anyone um, for having the Pitocin except for myself. Like I said, like after, Um, and then I did talk to my doula about it and she was like, maybe at the end of the day, it was just like, I had to, like what I said, she said, like put aside like an ego thing about it. I think that I, not that I was just so high and mighty, like, oh, I'm going to have an a medicated birth, but I was definitely very stubborn about it. Mm. And so I had to make the correct choice in that moment. And I do feel like looking back, it was Pitocin. Like it, it just was. So I, I kind of gotten over that now. Um, of course, nobody's birth plan is going to go like a hundred percent according to plan. Yeah. Um, and I'm just thankful that at the end of it, we were just totally healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, India, I, um, I was over 24 hours unmedicated and I too was like, no, you know, like this this is something that I I wanted to do. I wanted to do. And I, Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that happens is when you have an idea or you have an understanding about what could happen, you weigh the risk, you have a birth plan, like your understanding is solid when something else is presented um, that's unexpected, it does make you feel sad and disappointed. Yeah. And like, yeah. So I'm right there. I felt that same way um, with my own birth experience. And I know several other moms who come on here um, and outside of the podcast who said also when they've had to have an intervention done that they or their birth plan went a certain type of way that they didn't expect that they also felt that self-judgment um, mm-hmm. or were critical of themselves and maybe the choices. And it you know, they saw the other side of it and had to figure out a way to, you know, move through those emotions and accept that they're healthy and their baby is healthy. Yeah. Um, but still valid in having those yes. emotions, still completely valid. Yeah. Um, so we're on the other side of this now. We've delivered. How old is your little <laughs> one right now? He, um, in a couple of days, he will be 17 months. 17 months? Yes. Okay. So we're in postpartum. And talk with us about um, any stressors that you might have saw in, you know, right after delivery up until now. What would you say are like some main stressors and ways that you think other moms 
might find helpful that you found helpful to cope through it? Oh, so I would say one of the main stresses for me, well, I think there are two. One, it's because I delivered during the height of COVID. Um, It took a very long time for him to see members of our families. So immediately after he saw um, my mom, my like my mom, grandma, and brother, because they took us to the hospital because they wanted to kind of be a part of it and they picked us up. But it, it took a while for him to see my mother-in-law, like aunts and uncles, cousins. And I even have some friends that still haven't seen him just because of COVID. And that was very hard. And it still is, honestly, very hard for me because I just always pictured, you know, like he's he's this age and we're going to do mommy and me classes and play dates with our friends and different things. And it's just been very hard um, for me not to have visitors in the hospital. Um, it, it, it made me worry, like, is, is like the bond between our families going to be different? Him and our family is going to be different because they didn't really, really get to see him as like a fresh newborn. Like by the time they really saw him, he was kind of like an infant sitting up and like he's already laughing and stuff, but he hasn't seen like a lot of people. So he's kind of closed off at first when he first meets you. And then he kind of warms up after he's seen you a couple times. And then I'm like, it makes me worry. Like, am I not doing enough? Like maybe I should just try to do some play dates or find some type of classes. Um, And that has been very hard. Mm. Um, One thing I did in the beginning and I still do is like try to FaceTime people um, you know, I, I try to, now I'm getting more open to creating like safe spaces where he can be around his family and some of my friends. And then another thing that has been hard is like navigating this work life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel very grateful because since I'm an author, I work from home so I can be at home with him, but also he's a toddler now. He wants to run and play. And it's hard to kind of navigate when am I writing and when am I with him? And in the beginning, it was very hard because it's like I have the luxury of him staying at home with me. But then it's like, how am I going to watch him and write? And so what what I really want to tell other moms that are dealing with this is just your husband or your partner is probably going to be willing to help if you ask. Like, I know sometimes we think like, oh, they should, they should know that I need this, this, this. But sometimes they figure like, oh, well, she doesn't want my help because she didn't ask for it. But once I like ask my husband, like, hey, can you um, do this or whatever with a bear while I write for two and a half hours or something like he's just like, okay, whatever. Like, it's not like this big, it doesn't have to be like this big thing. Um, I know that some women they even kind of feel like resentment to their partner because they feel like, oh, I'm doing everything. They're not doing anything. And it's like, you kind of have to have the conversation um, because they probably don't want to feel like they're overstepping. But if you say like, okay, I need this, um, they're probably going to be willing to help. Um, And then honestly, the biggest, one of the biggest, um, I guess, challenges I'm having right now and I've had since he's been born is his sleep pattern Mm -hmm. because his sleep pattern has totally flipped my world upside down because he is a night owl like his father 
And I am not someone that likes to stay up late. And he has, from the time we brought him from the hospital, he has always been someone that, he's a baby that will sleep, will go to sleep late and then sleep late. <laughs> and so that, or, and wake up late. And so that has been challenging for me because I want to get up early and do stuff before everyone wakes up. But if I'm up with you at 3.30 a.m., I'm not going to be able to pop back up at 8 a.m. and be ready for the day. So that has been hard. Still trying to figure out his sleep schedule because he has been co-sleeping for the longest. But I think that's just, I don't know, maybe that's just one of those things all moms go through. Or maybe some people are lucky and have babies that just sleep through the night and they go to sleep at 7 and wake up at 7. But that's not, that is not my reality right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you... um miles is two and we have been through our fair share of sleep difficulties um <laughs> one being now he uh yeah he he's been waking up lately too you know they're at between growth spurts and yes and miles co-sleeps with us as well mm-hmm. and he has forever um and <laughs> does I, he sleep through the night he so he Miles also goes to sleep late, so. <laughs> oh but I mean, I guess it kind of works out because I'm at home, and then when we get up, we do like school stuff. Even mm-hmm. though he's two, but we, I'm like, listen, we're gonna get us some work done in here. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so he he goes to sleep, and people are, you know, bear with me, but he goes to sleep <laughs> anywhere from like nine to like ten. <laughs> 10 30 yes it's totally i'm right there with you <laughs> and then people are like I, I was laughing with my sister the other day because i was looking at this uh question that a mom asked in a mom group on facebook and they said um you know what time are your littles going to sleep because mine is going to sleep at eight but i really want them to start going to sleep right after dinner at six and i'm like y'all are doing what how in the world like i have no idea how y'all are doing that so no i'm right there with you and he does sleep sometimes throughout the night but i think he's going through a growth spurt right now Mm because my husband said the other day like yo this kid is eating us out of house and home so (laughs) i think he's going through a little something right now but yeah no that it it comes and it goes and it comes and it goes and then it levels out apparently so yes um, it's like as soon as you you feel like okay we got it down it's mm-hmm. like now it's another growth spurt yep. like or sleep progression I'm like oh my god yeah and are you still oh, the okay. thing um, we we still nurse and he mm-hmm. I was just about to ask that yeah, we still nurse and he's two and so you know one I'm home during the day so he likes contact naps so mm-hmm. like right now while we're recording he's in my arms because he woke oh. up. <laughs> He came and got in my arm and he's latched oh. on. So, I mean, like, if I move, he's like, wait, where's my nummies? Like, it was just in my mouth. And, you know, a lot of moms have their, you know, I don't want to co-sleep. I want to co-sleep. And so I, I want to be able to say on this episode, obviously, what works for you and your family works for you and your family. And we found that co-sleeping works for us because I struggled a lot in the beginning with sleep and like pumping and nursing. Yes. And then I found that sideline position and I never looked yes. back. <laughs> and I never looked yes. back. 
Oh my gosh. I feel so like so much better now that you said this. Cause sometimes you just feel like, am I the only mom that's mm-hmm. going through this? Not at all. Oh my Not gosh. at all. I'm so quick in the middle of the night, he'll wake up and he, he loves vehicles. So he'll wake up and he'll start talking about dump trucks. And I'm saying like waking up out of his sleep <laughs> and we'll say dump truck. And I'm like, come get these nummies. Like, look at that. <laughs> and it works every time. So no, I, I think it's just, I think it's just them wanting to be close to their mama and yeah. you know their security is us in this moment, in this stage. So there's that. The other thing that I wanted to say is, man, you mentioned such amazing things that I hear from my clients and friends who talk about the grief that they experienced during COVID and being yes. pregnant and having their babies. Um And so, yeah, I'll tell you, you are not the only person who I've heard say, you know, meeting family and meeting friends and how hard it is to like find safe places for your kids to grow up like and experience life. I'm like, (laughs) we went to the park the other day, the playground, and Miles was like running up to kids, trying to touch them. And I'm like, okay, see, he's never been around kids. He's not a daycare. <laughs> so like, this is exciting to him. Yes. Um, but it's, it's, I'll tell you, this is a whole new ball game. It is yes. a whole new ball game. It is. It really is. And like the first time my um, baby bear, he's, when he saw his cousin, who's um, two, he immediately just starts like baby talking to him. And mm-hmm. I'm like, he doesn't do that to him. mostly anybody. Like, I guess he saw somebody that was like kind of his size, kind of his age. And he's like, okay, I, I, I can get with this. Yeah. And I, I just thought it was the cutest thing. I just so wish that I could just do like the mommy me classes and just different little things like that, where he can be around more kids all the time. I'm starting to open up to certain things now yeah. because I do want him to like, you know, we've been going out to eat and sitting outside and doing different things like that. And yeah. And then like to kind of go back to what you said about nursing, we are still nursing too. And I just, um, I'm glad that you said that you are still nursing because sometimes I feel like I'm not the only one nursing like a 16 month old baby. (laughs) Not at all. I'll tell you, I, I took some pictures a couple years ago um, for this, uh, have you ever heard of Black Mom's blog? Yes. Okay, so I took some photos for the nurse-a-thon that she threw at Happy Mango. It's a boutique, a baby boutique down in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. um, there were moms that I photographed that had like three, four, five-year-olds. And, you know, there, there there, was actually something recently in pop culture news with Coco, Ice-T's wife and her- Oh, I did see that. Yeah, and I'm just like, yo, like everybody stay in your own houses. Like, leave <laughs> yes. people, like the judgment, the side, yes. like just leave it all. Like if it is not affecting you, leave people alone. So no, we are still nursing. My husband always is like, well, when do you think you're going to stop? And I feel like he'll let me know. Like he'll let you know, or we'll end up growing our family and maybe we'll tandem nurse for a little bit and then he'll get off. Like we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I just, I feel like that too. We'll figure it out. I, I never expected to, I don't know when I thought I would stop nursing, but I always just thought like, oh, you're supposed to stop when they get teeth or you're supposed Mm -hmm. to stop at six months and we just keep going. And it's just like, I I don't want to just randomly stop one day and sometimes I can I can already see the differences like if we're out and he's busy like 
entertained by other things, he can go yep. very long without nursing. But if we're just home and just chilling, he's under me all day. He's going to want to nurse. I can see the changes yep. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can tell that he, like when he's not thinking about it, he's not thinking about it. Yeah. And then it's, yeah. I'll tell so. you too, Andy, and I, we're like playing ping pong right now, but I'll tell <laughs> you that you, um, you mentioned just like trying to get to a place to where you're comfortable with COVID and still having baby bear, like experience different, you know, life experiences. Mm-hmm. And, um, I struggled with that all of 2020, you know, asking myself, like, am I exposing him to different things? Like, I mean, yeah. my childhood growing up, my mom had me like at play parks and yes. museums and like all yes. over the place. And it took me a long time, you know, most of 2020 before I was like, you know what? I'm comfortable with X, Y, and Z. And what I found was outdoor activities. That's my go-to. We can do yes. the zoo. We can yes. do petting, um, petting farms. We do all stuff outdoors. And that's what yes. I'm comfortable with. And so, you know, I just encourage you to just try and figure out what it is that makes sense for you and your family. Because I'll tell you, I, sometimes I'm on Instagram and I'm just like, oh, I wish we could go. But then, no, that's indoors. That's not for us. For sure. <laughs> right. That's not for us. So, yes. Yeah. Like, I, I'm... 100% with you right there. Like we went to, we had like a family trip to the beach um, a couple of months ago. And that was, when I tell you that is the perfect thing. So I really encourage you to do that if you haven't already. Cause it's like, you can, you can people watch, but you can That's be like far idea. away from people. Mm-hmm. They'll love the sand, the water. Um, it's just perfect. And then I, we actually just went to the zoo for the first time um, a couple of weekends ago. And that's perfect. Um, even though I did kind of feel a little bit claustrophobic on like the inside parts, like the aquarium parts and stuff, I was like, okay, like we can't. Yeah, we we, we skip those. We skip yeah. them. We skip them. We skip them. But no, the the beach is a really good idea. I think um, yes. that might be something we'll have to explore. You know, yes, since it's, it's cooling down outside. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. You can sit away from everybody, but it's just still so interactive. Get some little beach toys. He can make little sandcastles. It's perfect. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. Is there anything about your birth story, your motherhood experiences that we did not talk about that you want to share? I have like two or three more questions. Um, I will say that being a mom has made me so passionate about like Black motherhood mm-hmm. and breastfeeding. Like, I feel like it's, I'm so passionate about sharing about it now. Um, and I, it's, I don't want to, I have to like tread lightly because it has come very easily for me, thankfully. And I know some women, it, it is harder and they have different challenges and stuff like that. But I just feel like it's, it's really about the education mm-hmm. around um, breastfeeding and, you know, the benefits of it or what, what you can do to increase your supply um, if you want to breastfeed, I feel like you, th- there are a lot of things that you can try before it is like, just go to formula. I feel like sometimes people will say, oh, just do formula, like as the first, like the first solution. And I mean, if that's what you want, that's fine, but it doesn't have to be that. I feel like. 
I just feel so passionate about breastfeeding now. <laughs> That's so good to hear. I'll tell you. So I am a certified lactation counselor. Oh, and I've been okay, training right to there. get board certified. And yes. there are not, like, even here, I live in uh, a metro city outside of Atlanta. And mm-hmm. it is maybe like six or set under 10 black IBCLCs here wow. in Atlanta. Now, I will say wow. that they're probably, you know, like educators and, and that sort, but in terms of being board certified, having their own practice, it's not a lot. And so I say that just to say, girl, if there's a passion there, look, you might bring, <laughs> you might bring some education and some awareness to, you know, your community. Because um, it's not a lot of it's not a lot of people of color here, black specifically, who are oh. who are in this space, at least in Atlanta. Um, oh, maybe that's something I. But yeah, and it's a very small. Everyone kind of knows everybody type of thing because <laughs> it's, it's so few. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that because I just feel so like when my friends can't um, nurse and stuff like that, I'm just like, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Let's think about this. Yeah. So Yeah, well let me know. I'll definitely kick you some information if you'd like it. Um Okay. India, <laughs> what do you think uh you now know about yourself now that you're a mom that you did not know about before having baby bear? Oh, that is a good question. What do I know about myself that I didn't know before I became a mom? Hey mommy. Oh my gosh, I don't Okay, let me think for a second. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, well, I never, I'll say this. I never really thought of myself as being physically strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not somebody that's like in the gym, like bench pressing and stuff like that. And so to go through that labor and really have that mindset of I'm going to push him out through this pain, it made me have a new appreciation for my body that I didn't have before because I, I don't know. I, I just pushed through that pain and what my body did in that moment. I, I feel very grateful. And also I think that I, I, I always known that I would love being a mom, but it's like, it's a new passion for me. Like I, I really, really love being a mother. <laughs> I just, I love being a mom, like through all the challenges and like him not sleeping and all this kind of stuff. I just love being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel, it's so interesting to hear you say that because, um, and you know, Monique, you know, Crystal. Um, yes. So in talking with them, they, they, it's so weird how we all can describe that same, like, it's just in us like it is it, and it's so weird like you take on these you mentioned challenges like sleep and stuff and yeah. it still feels sweet like it still feels good um very interesting so I, I love the fact that you said that um what would you what would you say to another mom who may be um experiencing worries or expectations that feel greater than um the challenges that she's experiencing and doesn't know whether or not she can see it through to the other side or like get through it like what would you say to a mom like that um I would say to another mom um just take it day by day 
um, getting in tune with yourself and your body. Um, if you're the praying type, make sure that you're praying. Um, you're stronger than you think. Um, your body will kind of know what to do in that moment. It's really no, it really doesn't serve anyone to kind of worry, I feel like, because when, when you're in that moment, you're going to be in that moment and you'll know what to do. Like, of course, be prepared, but worrying about like, oh, how contractions are going to feel or what am I going to do when this happens? It is, it's kind of like wasted energy. Just prepare yourself. And when you're in that moment, you'll know what to do. Yeah. Um, You're stronger than you think. You're stronger than you think. And it'll, it'll be, It'll be, it'll go the way it's supposed to go. And also make sure you have someone to advocate for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think though, that's a really great message to end on. Um, what I appreciate most about it is um, it's very self-compassion focused and it's very strengths focused, which a lot of times we often miss in motherhood where we don't extend that to ourselves. And we yes. don't have that reminder that like we have these same skills. This is just a new experience. This is just a new journey, um, but we have it. It's within us. So India, I feel like we could sit on here forever, but I think right. both of our littles are up now and making noise. Yes. So, <laughs> I want to just say, I appreciate you so much. Um, not just taking the time to come on, but also your transparency and um, sharing with us your experiences throughout pregnancy, delivery, and motherhood. And this is always a safe place for you if you'd like to return. And yeah, I just appreciate you so much, India. Thank you so much. This was so, um, I don't know, it was just so fun to talk to another mom about my birth story. And like, you really have me thinking over here. Like, I'm, I'm still over here thinking, like, how did I change after I became a mom? Like, I'm still over here trying to figure it out. <laughs> That was a good question. Like, oh my gosh, you are you're great at this, and I can't. I have to go back and listen to your other episodes and stuff because this was just this was amazing. Yay! Well, I'm excited, and you know, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, sharing this with other women, other parents, other um, partners, right? Because I'm sure they'll yes. listen in on it too, and pick up on gems that can be applied to their motherhood and parenthood experiences as well. So India, you take care and we will talk soon. As always, it's important for me to know that this podcast does not replace being connected or receiving therapeutic services from a licensed mental health clinician. If you are experiencing a life-threatening emergency, please call 911 or go to your local emergency room. You can also find additional resources on episode two, one being postpartum.net, where you can get connected with support groups, as well as therapists, psychiatrists, other providers within your community that may be of service to you on your motherhood journey. Again, that resource is postpartum.net, but you can find additional ones on episode two.